pray. Dear God, we just thank you today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for all that you're doing. Well, thank you for this opportunity to come before your presence, God. Thank you for this opportunity to, to inquire of you, Lord God. Father, we pray, Lord, that tonight, Lord, that we would increase. I should increase in this place. Father, I pray, God, that, Lord, as we lift up our brothers and sisters, Lord, give us the words to pray tonight, Lord God. Father, I pray as we bring the light to just the persecution that Christians are facing around the world. Lord, may our hearts be free. May our hearts be filled, Lord God, with all holy, with holy, really with holy anger, Lord, and it will give us this intensity, Lord, to pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters around the world. And Lord, may we not fold our hands and sit on the sidelines and just say, well, all the people will take care of that. But may we be active, Lord, to see you move in this end time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, tonight, I'm going to just briefly about um, the persecuted church. Um, we have been, uh, in the next two weeks, this week and next week, I'm going to focus on the persecuted church, uh, partly because of what's going on out there right now, but partly because we, uh, we're about to embark on the seven-week series on the seven churches mentioned in uh, Revelation of the, uh, in Asia Minor. Um, and I think this is a great meeting for us, but I think it's also uh, extremely important right now that we have and that we address this issue. And the reason why that is important is because uh, we see what's happening right now in the world. We see what the enemy is doing to the body of Christ it's in, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia. Uh, and, and we need to be aware of what's going on. And we cannot be ignorant to the devil's devices. We cannot be ignorant to the devil's schemes. We have to be aware and be ready to uh, uh, give an account of what we believe. So in this next, uh, in this next few moments, we're going to spend some time doing that and kind of focusing on that. Okay, so let, let's 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 um, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop to what I'm going to speak about today. In the news, we've been hearing about ISIS, which is I think is acronym for Islamic the Islamic State, uh, and the importance. This is unlike any other group, I guess, that people have seen thus far. They seem to be very organized. They they are jihadists in the true sense of the word jihadist, at least the way they proclaim themselves. They're a little bit different from Al Qaeda um, and you know some of the other terrorist cell groups. They mix modern uh, 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 technology with Islamic ideology. Um, they are extremely wealthy, extremely educated. Majority of them are not from, uh, most of them are actually are not necessarily even born in the Middle East. They have Middle Eastern ancestry or come from Muslim backgrounds, but 
schooled and raised in the West. So you're dealing with a whole other group of people. But I don't think this is in isolation. Um, I think it's it's just a natural progression of the world that we have been living in. This is, in essence, post 9-11 terrorism. It's more sophisticated, they're more military savvy, but they also had strong ideals, which makes them kind of deadly in that sense. Now, that's what we've been hearing, not what we have been kind of like dealing with with this over this last year. ISIS really has been around probably for the last two years, but it's not beginning to pick up steam now this year because of their activities. Really, they were birthed out of the Syrian conflict. Um, there were a bunch of... We heard during the Syrian conflict that there was a lot of people coming together, a lot of different factions, different rebel groups trying to topple the government at the time. Well, out of that, ISIS kind of came out, and uh, and that was always the issue, was which rebel group would you support if you were in the United States? Because which evil is more? You know, I mean, you want to you want to focus on uh, 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 the the government in Syria, or you want to focus on one of the rebel groups that you don't really know, or insurgents that you don't really know what their ideologies are and what they what they would do eventually. Well, anyway, ISIS was birthed out of the conflict in Syria, and and it makes them extremely dangerous uh, in that sense. Now they're still over the border into Iraq, and I'm not saying anything you can't get underneath, but I'm, I'm tying this to something here. They're still over, over the border in Iraq, and they are bent on going on this jihadist campaign to spread Islam across the globe and to destroy Islam's enemies. And it's, this is not, again, as I said, this is not isolated. This is part of what God has even said in this word for happening in the Part of the, the fallout of this have been, and the casualties of this have been Syrian Christians that we heard about uh, around the at the height of the conflict last year that were leaving, fleeing the country, the ones that had money to come. Here we hear Edmonds, we were here in D.C. We met a few Syrian families, that Christian families that actually left uh, at the height of the conflict last year and, and came to the United States. And there have been many foreigners into Canada, parts of Europe, Syrian Christians fleeing the conflict in the country. Now, the government, the Syrian government had always been a defender, whether or not you like their politics or not, they've always been a defender of religious minorities like Christians in the country. So, in the face of the conflict in Syria, there was probably a level of animosity that grew towards Christians as groups like ISIS started to fight the government. Because 
they were seen as the government's quote-unquote pets. The government protects the Christians. Hence the conflict in Aleppo that drove on, that, that dragged on for a long time because Aleppo is traditionally a Christian city. There's a lot of, there's a lot to it you just walk with the eye. But the point is, Christians are being persecuted. We're talking about churches in Egypt, churches in, in Syria, churches in Iraq, churches in Iran. These are, I would call them the cradle of Christianity, if you would. Maybe outside of Israel, outside of places like Turkey, uh, modern day Turkey, uh, this whole region has a, a huge history of, of Christendom. Um, and, you know, someone said one time, Christianity is a Western religion. I said, I bet to differ. Actually, Christianity has, does not have its roots in Western culture. Actually, it has its roots in a, in actually in a Semitic culture. So let's, let's be correct in that. As a, as a ministry, as a church here that is passionate about the nation, I felt that it was our responsibility to bring light to this, but not only bring light to this, but to look at it from the, from the eyes of scripture, to ask ourselves, what can we do for where we are, for him or us? But for us, ask ourselves, what we must do, we must understand the nature of the battle that we are fighting and what we're up against with this group. ISIS is just a tip of the iceberg. Just what is coming, and I don't want to be a prophet of doom, what is coming? It's, not, it's much more than just some group like ISIS. More group like ISIS will rise in this end time. But we do know that God has won the battle. That, that, that's a confidence that we have. But we cannot be in denial of the reality and the fight that we're in. Our brothers and sisters around the world are, are faced with this reality every single day. For where, for hence, for whence we are right now, we must pray. First thing that we must do, we must pray. For where we have, we must give our resources to organizations that are helping, Voice of the Martyr. Uh, you know, there are many organizations out there. I, I mentioned Voice of the Martyr because they've had a reputation of really helping the persecuted church over the last 30, 40 years. And there are places we can, you know, place and funnel our finances to. We've never really asked anybody for money here at Edmonds DC, but if there's ever any time, they would want to put some links on our website on edmondsdc.org to allow us to be able to give or to, give, to recommend places that we can give our finances and resources to help refugees in these places, whether it's Syria, whether it's Iraqi Christians that are going through so much hardship right now. In Iraq right now, in 2003, after Saddam Hussein was defeated, what immediately what happened to Christians were the protection, especially between 2003 and 2005, a lot of the, the, the inbuilt protection that the Christians had from the government eroded. And when that once that happened, Christians it was open season on Christians in Iraq. This is before ISIS. So a lot of Christians flee, sorry, fled. Central Iraq and went to the north in the Kurdish region. Now that sets a picture 
But what's happening now? Why are all these Christians in credit prison? And why are the Kurdish defending them? Because from about 2005, we actually been hearing that Iraqi Christians were being persecuted, but he didn't pick up sin because everybody was more focused on Egypt. Egypt has a high population. Prior to the war, there were 500, I believe 500,000, half a million Iraqi Christians. Post 2005, in Iraq today, if you can find maybe 150, 200, maybe 200,000 Iraqis, you'd be lucky in the country, Iraqi Christians in the country. So you, you see at least about one third of the Christian population flee, kill, or whatever is happening. Now, in the last month, there has been an intensity from ISIS to deliberately exterminate the people. And they don't care. And they've gone into the Kurdish region in the north to kill Iraqi Christians. Not only kill them, they did two, they do two things wrong. Pay taxes or be beheaded or become a Muslim. So there are taxes that are being levied. So these are your options. Pay heavy taxes for being a Christian in our region. If you can't pay that, get your other option is to get beheaded or convert to Islam. So, think about it. Most of these people are poor. How in the world are they going to pay taxes? Heavy taxes. So their option really becomes what? Get beheaded or... Imagine that. Imagine that's what's happening. So, here is the international community trying to respond. There's ISIS when our, our brother came from Egypt, he was telling us that ISIS is not joking around. ISIS means business. And they're trying to go. We heard uh, the, the uh, 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 what was it? What was his general? Uh, the Secretary of uh, Defense talking about, I think Kerry was talking about uh, how ISIS is not like your regular group. And the, the state, the White House has to be reached. Uh, statements after statements on this group because not only are they kidnapping like people, kidnapping American journalists, they are not joking around and they have the means to get back into the United States. So we are facing, in, this, in essence, I, this is not even my word, like eminent things in the country. Now, it's not like America doesn't have enough enemies over there, but it, it's important to kind of put it in the right context. Now, let, let me, let me uh, go on about this a little bit. Um, this is something I, I just wanted to read to you guys really quickly. Um, and it, it's it's um, it just some stats on the persecuted church. Today I'm focusing on the Middle Eastern churches. And specifically the churches in Syria and specifically the church in Iraq which is more pertinent. But here are some stats for us to kind of think about um, um, that I think that, you know, will kind of shed some more light. More Christians are martyred in the 20th century than in all other centuries combined. This is from Christianity.com. It's been claimed that 105,000 Christians have been martyred for their faith each year. So each year, about 100,000 people, Christians, have been martyred for their faith. 
And this even came out uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from a news source in 2001. Currently, over a 100 million Christians have been persecuted worldwide. This is from uh, Reuters, Reuters uh, in 2013. 70% of the world population lives in a religious intolerant environment. North Korea, which we all know and well, in 2014 continues to be the worst country in the world for persecution. Nigeria, my country of uh, origin, <laughs> In 2010, Christians suffered terror from Muslim extremists. Four villages were massacred. And now, after that, even so now, with groups like Boko Haram, it's still happening. Just this year, they had these bombings in Abuja, in, in places like Madhuburi, in the east, in the northeast part of Nigeria. I mean, everybody, everybody has been uh, keenly aware of the the 300 girls, the 400 girls that went missing in Nigeria, uh, and these things are happening. Iran, its parliament, in Iran, its parliament believes that Muslims who change their faith should be put to death. In India, up to 70,000 thousands in Orissa have been forced to flee their homes in riots against Christians. 70,000. Probably, you know, that have, you know, probably these are maybe more religion. The natives tend to also be violent at the same time. Um, Indonesia, between two, uh, 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 between 2000 and 2002, Muslims slaughtered over 10,000 Christians. Now, I'm not picking only Muslims. There are other groups in, in India that mentioned they probably there mainly Indians. That are doing this. And again, I'm not characterizing all Muslims as extremists. What I am saying is that these are Muslim extremists that have Islam, you know, they're fundamental is, uh, 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 Islamists who seek to destroy some of the Christians. So I don't want to sound ignorant. Iraq, half of Iraq's Christians have fled since the fall of Saddam Hussein. Left the country. They're not even there anymore. They're gone. And the ones that are there are in northern Iraq, and they're the ones that are still, you know, going under that. We have a lot of friends in Egypt under, uh, under the Islamic Islamic Brotherhood. We saw what happened to Christians, and the, the security became an issue in the country. Uh, it seems like the country settled down now with, with some of the uh, the military back in power. But still, there's still issues there. Coptic Christians are being forced away from their homes um, in Egypt. Uh, Syria, by 2020, by 2012, most of 80%, 80,000 Christians have been, you know, uh, have been cleansed from their homes. 80,000. They're just chasing them out of the area. In Europe, persecution is uh, coming by a stealth. You, you, uh, EU equality directive. That's something that kind of like has, is a foreshadowing of what will happen in America later on, and I'll speak about that. Again, this point is not to create paranoia about Muslims. I have a lot, we have a lot of Muslim friends, and a lot of people out there that are trying to 
to the best of their knowledge, trying to what trying to follow and trying to serve. But what we are trying to say today is there is an enemy that is against the church. And that enemy is not Islamists. It is the spirit that drives the Islamists. And I want to make that clear today. It's, it's easy to focus on the Islamists, but not realize that there's a spirit that drives, there's a spirit in this age that drives these things to happen. Jesus loved the Islamists. Jesus loved these people that are persecuting us. The Bible says, pray for those who persecute And the response of the church is not to say, oh, man, those terrorists and those Islamists, I just want to live my life of luxury. No, it is to say, how can you make us conduits to reach those people because they need you? Somehow, there's a spirit behind this insurgence of, 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 of violence against Christian Christians. It's been that way from the time Jesus ascended back into heaven. Okay, so, we are not ignorant to, to the devil's speech, and we need to direct our attention in that way, and, and at the same time, take, take a stand at the human level for our brothers and sisters that are suffering. suffering. Not to say, well, well, by and by, when we get to heaven, everything will be fine. But to say, what can we do now? The way we attack the terrorists is not by picking up guns and going to shoot at them, but it is by our prayers. It is by attacking the spirit that directs and moves these men and women to want to destroy the world and the people in it. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. Antichrist spirit is moving on the age, and part of the, the spirit that operates in a lot of these Islamics is the spirit of the Antichrist. I don't mean the Antichrist. The Bible talks about the spirit of the Antichrist that is released in this age. Those those things, those ideologies, those philosophies, those men and women that raise themselves above, above the knowledge of Christ. The Antichrist spirit at, at the base is that. It is anyone or any idea that says, I will not, I will not acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. I will not acknowledge Jesus as both fully man and fully God when he came on earth that I will not acknowledge Jesus as God, and then I will erect my own God instead. The spirit of Antichrist and operates in that person or through those systems. And at the core of Islam, it is an Antichrist philosophy. In the philosophy that denies who Christ is and erects another form of Christ, because it's not like they deny Jesus, it's that Jesus is but a prophet. So you diminish Jesus in his role, which is even, even worse than a complete denial of who Jesus is, because it kind of gives you half of the truth. But anyways, tonight we're not against Muslims, we're against the spirit that operates in those Islamists to destroy the world. I'm going to read this to you guys, let's read some scriptures together. Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12. And I'm going to show a series of videos, and we're going to have a guest opportunity to respond and how what we can do here as a, as, a, as a church to respond to this reality. Matthew 5, verses 10 
12, and I'm going to read my response. Jesus, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, and I think this is a, a great scripture for us. And he says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. Is, so your, your, reward, your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets that were before you. Blessed are these when people insult you. In America, you might not have yet reached the point of persecution, but most of us have experienced insult for what we do. There might come a day. They were persecuted in America for. If we don't see it coming already in the horizon, it probably comes sooner than we think. It might not look like what it is being seen in Iraq or Syria, but for us to think in America that somehow this would impact us, I think we're greatly deceived if we're living in a bubble. Now, I'm not I'm not a sadist and a masochist, and I want to I just like suffering. Look, most of us don't want to suffer. If I can't help it, I wouldn't want to suffer. Even Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Let's be real. Jesus is the guy who gets him and says, Father, if you can take this away from me, this cup away from me. Even Jesus did not want to go through that pain and suffering. So, let's not, we're not sitting here, oh, we're going to suffer. And, oh, the world's going to come. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet of you, but I think we must face the reality of Scripture and what we see. Because I believe the greatest time of growth for the church and the moment that the church is going to come together it is when it is under under the most scrutiny when it is under the most pressure i talked i talked to a a, 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 a believer in Jesus and he said i he said every time that the persecution gets worse it, it, it seems like people's faith grow more and it seems like their resolve for the lord is increased and when, when things are too easy, they become complacent and become you know, like, no, it's okay. And they Christian and become flat. There's something that happens to you in the fire. What causes you to say, you know what? I don't care. You see that in China. How, I, on, under the worst, one of the worst communist regimes on the earth, how can millions of people be part of underground persecution? How is that possible? That is because something uniquely happens. When we share in the fellowship of the suffering of Christ, when we share in that, something happens. There's something. The Bible says when, when a seed, a righteous seed fall, falls to the ground, and you cannot ignore that. Something that we cannot gain from just sitting idly and living in just easy Christian, Christian life bubble, in the Christian, Christian bubble, there's some things that we cannot achieve. Unless we go through this passage of suffering, I don't know why. 
or they're sleeping, but we are narrowly moving from before us. What makes the lives of this Christian so compelling in the first century was not because they had big churches and they spoke in tongues and they ran around church and they and they, they, they had all no, it was because their lives were so compelling and they were able to stand in the face of persecution and still praise God. That became a testimony to to a horrific empire called the Roman Empire. To the point that the emperor Constantine said, you know, I'll give my life to you, Jesus, if you die. Why would Constantine, you know, it wasn't like Christianity was like the fad of the moment. It definitely wasn't. But there was something compelling about life after life after life after life being changed. Under pressure, people begin to choose Jesus. Being thrown to lions, it was choosing Jesus. And here is an important moment for us. In Matthew 5, it says, verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Not persecuted for foolishness, not persecuted for your own dumb stuff. Some people will say, I'm persecuted. No, you're not persecuted. You're just being unwise. We're talking about persecuted for what? For righteousness. Right? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a great thing for us. Our, king, our kingdom is not of this earth. It's of, it's of, of, of a higher a kingdom of light. There's, there's an inheritance for those who are persecuted. So for our brothers and sisters in Syria, for our brothers and sisters in Iraq, as you're going through what you're going, understand we stand with you. But understand the scriptures also say that yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, those who will insult you, the persecute you, and all who say all kinds of evil against you. Because of what? Not because of yourself, because of your foolishness. Because of what? Because of me. Rejoice in glad, for there is a reward in heaven. And reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the possible. We are in great company. These great heroes of faith, when we read about in Hebrews, we're just like them. We're no different from them. And for our brothers and sisters who are going through, are going through hard times, that's an important moment for us to, to remember. Mark John 15, 19 to 21, other scripture I want to read tonight. John 15, 19 to 21. I hope this is helping someone tonight. Hope it's bringing a focus to us as we John 15, 19 to 21. If you are of the world, then the world will love its own. But because you are not of the world, I choose you out of the world because of this world hates you. Remember the word. That I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also work persecution. If they kept, if they kept my word, they will keep yours all also. Also, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. 
because they do not know the one who sent Jesus puts it out there for us. If they persecute, the first one tells us in, 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 in Matthew, if, consider yourself lucky because you, you will be persecuted just the same way the prophets were persecuted. Then he said, if I persecuted, then you will be persecuted. If, if we are going to look anything like Jesus, we're probably going to face some persecution. And this is what I'm trying to say to the church in America. I'm not saying we're just going out there just like, we shouldn't fight, we shouldn't fight terrorist cells from expanding in America. We shouldn't do what we can to protect liberties in America. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that for us to think somehow we are just going to skip through this process without being persecuted at all, without being insulted at all, we're greatly deceived. If Jesus went through suffering and went through this process, if the world hated him because of because because they did not know who sent him, and that's that's the number one thing is the reason why ISIS in this group Boko Haram whatever group you want to outtake why they want to kill white Christians are from face of the earth. Because they do not know who sent us and put us there. Right? My prayer is that for many of them we come to know that Jesus, their brother, that sent us here and changed. One of the prayers. We're going to we're going to um, go ahead and um, so I'm going to read this um, particular dreams and visions that God gave to me a while back. It is very short um, and um, to kind of like help us understand that what's going on right now is not isolated. It's also scriptures tell us and show us that in the end times there will be rumors of wars. There will be brothers who turn against brothers. You know, you know, fathers against their children. And we'll see all kinds of stuff. And he says when you see these things, know that this is not the end. Until they kidding. So we're looking right now like, oh my god, 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 oh
know, everything's falling apart. But we have to realize that. This is just the beginning. Um, but this is also a great, I believe, in the Victorian church. I don't believe in the church that is just, it's just going to hang back and, and just, you know, everything's all, you know, but it's not, it's going to cost us something. Uh, for this thing, but it's beautiful because the Bible says, "Blessed are those who are what persecuted for theirs are what for theirs the kingdom of God." So, so it's one point. So let me let me read this 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 two accounts. In, on August 9, two thousand and seven, I titled it "Islam Muslim um, Extremists." On Thursday, August uh, 9, two thousand and seven, during a three-day fast, I had a vision about Muslim extremists. In my vision, some Muslims had angry and they were about to attack some people on, in the park. The multitude of the Muslim extremists grew as they got closer to me and to my group. They literally destroyed everything that met them in the attack. Application. I believe if we don't pray, Fanatical Islam might become fanatical Islam might become might, might become something prevalent in America. And I believe that if we don't pray, we might begin to see a rise of that here in the United States. That's 2007. Another one that I had in 2007 was on August, a few days later, August 14th. On Tuesday, August 14, 2007, last night, I was visited with another night's drink or vision, and I saw myself in a classroom at my alma mater, Long Beach State. A teacher suddenly became a terrorist and took the whole class captive, but somehow I escaped. The whole school was evacuated, and it was extremely frightening. I believe this scenario is very close to happening more frequently unless we pray. <clears throat> the first one that I shared actually happened in the inner city. And I remember it was like around like Michigan, Detroit area that I saw. It was like, I remember it clearly like that would happen in Detroit area, that first account. It was like this group, like a mob. They were marching through the streets, bent on destroying anything in their path. It's like a form of urban warfare. And it's funny though that when I look at what's happening in Ferguson, I see how 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 America within its urban cities. There's so much issue there that it, and it's an opportunist take advantage of those sorts of things and can have an insurrection within the city of America. America, the issue of America, if the, if the, if the cities of America implode, the National Guard cannot even clean it. We don't want to see the, the, the cities of America implode and blow up because we cannot handle that. Because the man, they'll come out of it and I almost fear that what ISIS, it's funny what ISIS was talking about was like, we're going to come to your streets in America. 
and we're going to and almost like these are almost like what I call sleeper cells. People, we don't know how this is going to happen, or it's going to happen right away, but I believe we need to continue to pray. Do I think the U.S. military is not strong enough to mess things up, but that's not going to stop the loss of life and loss of property and just general unrest. And then, topless of Muslims, many Muslims there will probably also be rounded up. Innocent Muslims that be rounded up. That's the fallout of it too. So it's not just Christians. But what it could create an instability in the country that we will yet to begin to imagine. When Hitler started his campaign, people thought, oh, that was a weird, random, weird, crazy man on the fringes. But the fringes typically can become mainstream, given time, space, and the right equation. So, we must pray. These are things I saw, and there's more, but I wanted to highlight those two uh, that I wrote. These are things that I, dreams that I have, like, and I have, one thing to tell you, I have, like, tons of dreams as it relates to extremists. Like, I don't I thought I, maybe I was, and it happened, you know, I got most of those dreams in about, in the span of about a year, a year and a half. And it stopped. And never got, never got. It was like around between 2007 and 2008. It was just a lot. A lot of it. 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 It was not at the height of the Iraq War. It was even towards the end of the Iraq War. It was more closer to the time of Barack Obama was kind of getting the power and stuff. So, it's important for us to kind of keep these things in mind. So, I want to do, what I want to do right now is, uh, I'm going to play a video. The video I'm going to play first is video from uh, Trickley. Um, and Trickley and McCray do a song called I Am Good. And it's, uh, it's a song of, that's first, one of the first major uh, hip hop, Christian hip hop acts that actually takes on the issue of persecution in the, as a subject matter in their video. And I thought this is really a great video, a great message for now. We're going to watch that. And then, and I want you guys to hold on to, to whatever you see in there, thinking about it. And then we're going to watch this last video from CBN talking about how we can be praying for the church in Iraq. And we're going to end our time. Okay? All right. Cool. And you guys bear with me as I get this um, started. As we've uh, gotten a chance to, to watch these videos, um, Trick Lee and Lecrae did this video called I'm Good for um, the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, chronicling the lives of believers um, who have to face different forms of persecution for taking a stance. Or a young lady who was beaten by her father because she took up the Bible and leaves. Uh, a group of underground church believers who are ambushed by. Islamist uh, militants kill people in this underground church. Another man that is in prison and is being tortured. You see this picture all around the world, not just in the Islamic world, but in places like Korea, um, where people are in prison for their faith. We have a choice today as the church. To pray. When Paul was in prison, he constantly asked for the church to pray for him. 
And this is our hope that we we get an opportunity tonight to pray. For the church in America, maybe we're not directly being persecuted right now. But when a part of the body hurts, we all hurt. We're not feeling the hurt right now. We need to feel that hurt. Uh, and we need to rise up in prayer. We need to pray and fast. And in the video, the second video that we watched tonight was from CBN. Um, and uh, again, this um, uh, video front, you know, shows us uh, a pastor who is trying to bring light to the issues going on in Iraq and how much pressure these people have to face where they're without electricity, without water, um, and the only thing really protecting their lives physically outside of the Lord is really this Kurdish soldiers who are surrounding the city and the moment they're taken out of the way, ISIS comes in and pretty much wipe out this whole village of Christians. There are people I saw a jarring image probably two weeks ago on CNN when uh, a rescue mission that flew in on a, a Bunch of helicopters flew into 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 northern in this mountain mountainous region in, in, in Iraq in the Kurdish region to rescue people that had been trapped up there without water and without anything. And you should have seen whole families, everybody just running to these helicopters, trying to escape the power peril that they find themselves. And it broke my heart. It, and it showed a mother and her son and her son and her daughters. And as they got in there, this mom embraced her children as they all wept uncontrollably. And I could only imagine what they were going through. Maybe uh, the media in America doesn't show as much as we should see. And maybe some of the other conflicts around the, around the world is, is getting more attention maybe than this. But I think that a day has come that the church in the West should never be silent no more when it comes to persecution. We should be the one raising the highest banner and praying, regardless of where these believers are located or their origin. I think there has been a bias to Arab Christians around the world because somehow generally in America we assume when we hear Arab, we associate that with, with Muslims and we don't seem to care enough about them. I think that it's great and it's wonderful that we're praying and we're standing for Israel, but at the, at the same token, we must not abandon brothers and sisters of the same household of faith. We must not abandon our brothers and sisters, because I believe God will ask the Church of America, one day when we appear before the King, what did you do for your brothers? The Church of Jerusalem could look to the Church of Corinth and the Church of Ephesus. They had more resources in their time of trouble. And the church in Corinth was able to send a resource to the church in Jerusalem. We must be that. If we're going to trump the cause of Israel as the Evangelical Church of America or whatever that might be, we must equally be able to speak on the issue and the ills of the societies in Christian societies in the Muslim world. We must not stay silent because they're, they're Arabs. They're brothers and sisters in faith with us. 
And we must we must not just look to our government. What is this president doing? What is that president doing? We must be the biggest force. If no other president in the world will ever stand up for Christ, what, what is right for believers, we as the church must be the loudest voice in the room. Not saying what, what would our elected officers do, but what can we do? What aids can we send? What prayers can we do? We should be seeing, I've seen people now on Facebook with the the Nazarene uh, uh, symbol or, or for, for solidarity. It must go beyond that. It must go beyond the symbol that you put on your Facebook page. It must go beyond that. It must go beyond that. For those, those of us who are in positions to write blogs, write blogs. For those of you that can write to your congressman, write to your congressman. I don't know what you're going to do. If those of you who want to, to give, give. There are great organizations out there that would direct the funds to these people. Voice of the Martyr is a great organization that would do that. Uh, um, there are, for those of us that want to, to be praying and fasting, not just Arab American churches in America that are only concerned because these are their people. We, the church, in America must do the same. The church in Europe must do the same. The church in Australia must do the same. The church in Africa must do the same. We must pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East. It is extremely sad that, and I should get looking in the face of what's happening in the in the backdrop of this is the the, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And let me speak to that really quickly. I am extremely disturbed that the church, that the church generally, whether it's America or elsewhere, that we have not cared enough about Palestinian Christians simply because they have the name Palestinian. We must care about them as well. There are brothers and sisters in faith. Irregardless of the politics, irregardless of whether they're on one side of Gaza Strip or the other, they're still our brothers and sisters. And we must care about them, we must care about those people, and not just sweep them under the same rug. Oh, they're all terrorists. No, they're not all terrorists. So, this might offend some. I am not here tonight to speak ill of Israel. Israel is going to stand before God and give account of what, what he is and what he's going to do. What I am here to speak about is us, the church, wherever we are around the world. People are waiting for Putin. They say, why doesn't Putin say something to the, to, to the Arab countries that seem to respect him to stop genocide of Muslims? I am not waiting for Putin to say anything. We have to be the voice. We have to be the loudest voice in the room. Not just when it fits our Western ideas or our Western sensibilities. God is looking for a church. We are small here at Edmund DC, but God help us tonight. We want to do something. Our prayers, our finances, whatever. And we said we're going to put a link on our page to do that. This next two weeks, we're going to put a, focus, a direct focus on the persecuted church. We're going to shift our focus a little bit. Next week, we're going to look at some other persecuted um, regions of the world. We're going to look at Africa. We're going to look at Asia um, next week. We want you to share this message with people. If there's any other time I've asked you guys to share my messages I preach, this is a message you want to share with people. 
I stand by everything that I said I have said in here because I truly believe that the church of God must arise and let its enemies be scattered. And I truly believe that. We must show the love of Christ. We don't hate Muslims. We hate the spirit that is causing this to happen. And it will happen. Persecution will happen in this end time. The question is, what is our response? Are we being persecuted for believing things? Or are we being persecuted for something else? In America, maybe we're not facing persecution, but we're facing insults. How are you responding to the insults? Are you taking a stand for Jesus at your work? At your school? Or are you just complacent just going through the most? There are people here around the world, in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, that their lives in Egypt, that their lives are literally at stake, and all over North Africa, their lives are literally at stake. And thousands of underground Christians. And we've not, we're not even talking about the ones that are making in the Emirates, in Yemen, in Jordan, in Saudi Arabia, that are the nameless, faceless Christians. That you've never heard about, you probably will never hear about. What about them? What about them? Let's pray tonight, and I'll open this up to conversation for us. Two things I want us to pray about. We're going to pray for the Church of Iraq and the Church of Syria and the Palestinian Christians. Egyptian, the Egyptian church and pretty much all the churches in the Middle East as a whole. One, we're going to pray. The Bible says we should pray for those who persecute us. Let us pray for the Islamists. Let's pray for ISIS that the greatest of their leaders, the decision makers, the God and Touch the heart of Saul of Tarsus. He can touch the hardest hearts. Saul killed Christians and even held the corpse of the men that killed Stephen. He said, let it be upon me. Yes, I killed him. But God can change Stephen. God can change Saul to, 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 to Paul of Tarsus. Who is Isis? Who are the leaders in Isis that God cannot change their hearts? God can change their heart. God can change the, 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 the movers and shakers within that group. The God will, as they go from place to place, that they will begin to be random occurrences of the road of Damascus experience. They'll just be like, they're dropping like flies. 200 men over here, they were walking down there, and Jesus showed up, and boom, they fell flat on their face. And they gave their life to Jesus. I want to hear stories like that. We will pray that God will touch the heart of this men that are causing harbor and terror in the world, that they will meet with Jesus. We have to pray for our persecutors first. Second, we're going to pray that God would fill the hearts of our precious brothers and sisters with courage and encouragement. They need courage in this time. They need help in this time. They need to be encouraged. That they will be filled with joy. They will be filled with peace in the midst of what they're going through. That God will protect with divine protection for joy, peace, and protection. First, we want to pray for the persecutors. We want to pray, then we want to pray for the persecuted 
that God would encourage them, fill them with joy and peace for protection, that the violence in their land will cease, that they will find peace again in their land, that the Prince of Peace will reign in their region. Jesus is the Prince of Peace we want to join. I want us to pray tonight for these two countries and what other countries for praying along those two lines. I'll start us out. I'll ask Lord God to close us out. Um, and um, we, 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 will, we, will, we will go from there. Okay? Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for all that you're doing. Father, as we go into this time of, of intercession, Lord, go before us. Lord, may we speak your heart and we pray what is in your heart for the church of the Middle East, for the persecuted church, for our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, Father, have your way.